0: All right, what's up, everyone? Maybe we'll just give it one more minute, see if anyone else wants to join. But I know it's late, so appreciate you all tuning in right now. Had a had a few thoughts that I wanted to get off. It's been a while since we've done a podcast in a space, so <clears throat> kind of wanted to just get on and, and talk about talk about the various things that are going on with the Mavs, and you know, if anyone wants to come up and, and talk to that, that would be great. So. Um, you know, I think obviously want to talk about um the fact that they got their best win of the season on Sunday night beating the Minnesota Timberwolves at home, shorthanded win. You know, no Derek Lively, no Dante Exum. Um, but that was you know, by far the best win of the season beating the top team in the West, and you beat that without two of your five best players. I think that was very impressive. And then they followed it up with their worst loss of the season last night against Memphis at home, a shorthanded Memphis team missing John Moran, of course, uh, who it was just announced that he's going to miss the rest of the season, Um, missing Jaron Jackson Jr. And then about three fourths of the way through the game, they lost Marcus Smart and the Mavericks just did not look like the better team last night, despite having more talent. Um, a much better record. The Mavericks could not make any dent in Memphis's lead, and Memphis really commanded that game and controlled that game. So a very dispiriting loss. And now, unfortunately, um, in that game, Luka Doncic didn't look great. He came into the game on the injury report with right ankle swelling. Um, and today's injury report that was released uh, for tomorrow's game against the New York Knicks, Luka was ruled out. For that game with a right ankle sprain, so obviously that's really um, unfortunate because uh, that game against Memphis was one that you should have had. Um, because now you're going to play New York, the hottest team in the league. You know they're they're five and O six and O since trading for OG Ananobi, um, and you're playing them shorthanded. I mean, Luca's not playing tomorrow. Derek Lively's not playing tomorrow. Dante Exum's not playing tomorrow. Um, So it's going to be another shorthanded game against uh, one of the better teams in the league. And I I just uh, I don't feel terribly optimistic about that game. Um, You know, against Memphis on last night, you know, the Mavericks had a chance to guarantee themselves a winning record on this homestand. Unfortunately, they dropped the ball there. And now, you know, they're, they're going into a game which seems like it's going to be another loss unless... Kyrie Irving and, and company are able to pull out a miracle against a good New York Knicks team, um, which then leaves the final two games of the homestand after that um, against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I think you really need both of those games, to be honest, with the way that the standings are right now. Um, but, you know, that that's looking a little bit too ahead. Uh, bottom line, health is just not in a great place right now. Um, it's been unfortunate really since the beginning of December to see that this team cannot stay healthy. Uh, When one guy comes back, the other guy gets injured. I mean, we saw that with uh, Luca and Kyrie at the beginning of December. They were playing together, playing pretty well. All of a sudden, Kyrie Irving gets hurt. Um, In Portland, when Dwight Powell fell on top of him, he missed about three weeks with that injury. A week right after that, Derek Lively, again in Portland, got hurt. He missed four games. Came back for about another four games and then got injured again. He's set to miss his fourth game tomorrow, um, fourth straight game for this ankle sprain. And then when Kyrie Irving finally returned on New Year's Day in Utah, Dante Exum got hurt with what was initially diagnosed as a heel contusion, which was then changed to a plantar fascia sprain and he's been out uh, since that game. It's been about nine or 10 days since that injury. So uh, the Mavericks health is not in a good place right now. I think the only you know, positive news you could take from the injury report today was that for the first time in almost two months, Maxi Cleaver was not ruled out for the game. He was upgraded to doubtful. Um, and obviously Maxi Cleaver at this stage of his career is not someone you can depend upon uh, to contribute consistently, but at the same time, just having him available will at least, you know, will at least make things a little bit better for the Mavs. And, and who knows, maybe if, if he can give you one made three per night and maybe some solid defense at the rim, um, you know, for 10 or 15 minutes a game, then perhaps uh, you'll you'll take that over what you're getting right now, which is nothing. So um, that's really, you know, on the health, stuff. I mean there there's some stuff that we gotta talk about, some of the role players like Josh Green, Grant Williams, um, Rashawn Holmes. Um, just just too many guys that are making good amounts of money that are not giving them enough on a daily on a game to game basis. I just think that um, you gotta get more out of them, especially Grant Williams and Josh Green. I mean these are two guys who are billed as key rotation players and Last night, both of them scored zero points. They've they've had six combined games of zero points between uh, between them this season. Twenty combined games of less than five points this season. Um, at some point, you have to wonder how much longer can we wait uh, for this thing to take a turn? Because look, I I don't I'm not a type of guy to um, you know give up on players easily. Uh, I believe I think in, in redemption. I believe. in in giving players time I know it's a long season cold streaks happen but with Josh Green and Grant Williams has just gone on for a little bit too long at this point I mean Grant Williams was billed as the 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 marquee acquisition for the Mavericks this summer and after like a great first 10 games of the season he's been really bad um and honestly like I understand okay defensively he's out of shape whatever you can't really uh, count on him to be a defensive stopper. But the three-pointer, which is something that he's been good at his entire career, all of a sudden he just looks like a non-factor from three. Uh, at first, he wasn't even making shots or he wasn't making shots. Now he's not even taking those shots. When he's on the floor, It just you really wonder what he's doing, what his purpose is. And last night, he was a DNP coach's decision in the second half of the game. The fact that he couldn't get on the floor in what was a 15 to 20 point blowout the entire night was extremely concerning. I think in my view, um, it shows that Jason Kidd has lost trust in Grant Williams. I mean, it started with Grant Williams getting demoted to the bench, um, on Christmas day, I think that was the first sign of that. I thought that maybe moving him to the bench might, um, you know, might allow him to sort of, uh, reframe, reframe his mindset. Have a fresh new look at the game um unfortunately that did not really do much for him and now he's gone from you know being in the starting lineup to going to the bench to now being a fringe rotation player at least in the last game or two so we'll we'll see what happens i mean obviously they have to keep playing him because he's you know he's they, they committed a lot of money to him so it's not like they can just give him dnps every single night but Uh, Again, that's disappointing. I don't know what has to change for him to um, rediscover the fact that that he's a rotation caliber player. Remember who he is. Um, And I know that he was in and out of the rotation in the playoffs for Boston, but we're not even in the the playoffs right now. I mean, this is the regular season. We know Grant Williams has been a regular season, a solid regular season contributor for the majority of his four-year career in Boston prior to coming to Dallas. So um, it's just a really weird situation with him, um, and it doesn't <laughs> doesn't help to see him uh, having that interview with Taylor Rooks today um, after yesterday's disaster of a game. Uh, but that's that that's a conversation for another game. And you know, with, with Josh Green, it's just uh, it's just consistency. I mean, you you'll have you'll have one game every every three four nights where he looks like a legitimate rotation contributor a little a literal game changer for them um a guy who like if he plays like this every game like you really do like his fit not only now but the potential for him to grow into a key member of the mavericks core along with luca and derek lively but um <clears throat> you know that unfortunately he'll follow up those games with three or four games of you know five points six points Three points zero points um and that's just not going to cut it for a guy that the mavericks um have committed a three-year extension to of an average annual value of 13 million dollars i mean yes the cap has gone up a lot but at the end of the day that's still objectively um a good chunk of change uh you know it's again any player making that kind of money you can't just sit them at the end of the bench they have to contribute and when they're not contributing consistently uh, it poses a lot of problems. Like truly, I feel like the most consistent role players on the Mavs this year have been Derrick Jones Jr. and Dante Exum, and Tim Hardaway Jr. too. Although Tim has been not as good as he had been earlier in the season of late, so um, we'll see we'll see what happens there. But um, consistency is really a problem with these Mavericks role players, and obviously that that leads us to talking about uh, the trade deadline coming up here in just about a month. Uh, The Mavericks have been linked pretty strongly with Pascal Siakam uh, of the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, I think that would be a great deal if the Mavericks were able to pull it off. Um, To me, it's unclear at this point whether they have enough. Um, But at the same time, with Pascal Siakam being an impending free agent, uh, it it does seem like maybe the price to get him would be lower than... uh, what was initially thought or what you would normally think uh, when when dealing with Messiah, Jury and the Raptors. So uh, we'll see. But I think that as long as the Raptors aren't asking for multiple first-round picks in return, I think it's a deal that you have to strongly consider. Um, And you do have to wonder, after hearing rumors about how Siakam um, was not terribly enthusiastic about re-signing with the Sacramento Kings and how that's affected uh Sacramento's uh, desire to trade for him um you know you've seen the report about how the Pacers don't want to trade Jaris Walker in a potential Pascal Siakam deal um the Hawks are a team that that have been mentioned with Siakam but again um is that the direction they want to go in right now uh will Atlanta ask for too much does Siakam even want to go there so I really do think the Mavericks are positioned well in these trade sweepstakes. But at the end of the day, it's gonna, um, it's really going to come down to whether Toronto likes guys like Josh Green, likes guys like Omax Prosper, Jaden Hardy. Um, and will they be satisfied with one first-round pick or no first-round picks even? Um, I think that's really the big question with him. But I mean, obviously, if you can add a talent like Pascal Siakam, I think that that's really a perfect fit in this team because again one of the biggest problems with the Mavericks right now is they are small they are one of the smallest teams in the league I think the Warriors and the Mavericks are the two smallest teams in the NBA right now um and on nights like yesterday when Derek Lively isn't playing um Dwight Powell isn't necessarily making an impact The Mavericks were running out a lineup of five guards. I mean, I think that their lineup that they ran a lot of last night was Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, Jaden Hardy, um, Tim Hardaway Jr., and then Seth Curry. I mean, Luka Doncic is the biggest player on the floor in that lineup, and that's just not cutting it. I mean, the Mavericks were out-rebounded by 20 against the Grizzlies last night, and, and that just can't happen. That's not a sustainable way to play. And so, I mean, obviously adding size is priority one, two, and three at this deadline. And Siakam, I think, solves a lot of that because he gives you that two-way wing that the Mavericks have wanted ever since drafting Luka. And then, um, you know, he's also an impact defender, uh, a guy who could play small ball center if you need him to, and play it at at a higher level than what you're getting from Grant Williams, for example. So um, that's, I think, you know, very enticing proposition but again I don't think it's something we can bank on happening because it's just you know anytime with star trades uh it's just so unpredictable like we don't even know at the end of the day are the Raptors gonna um trade Siakam I mean they played the the Lakers pretty well last night until the fourth quarter and all the the ref show happened uh even tonight against the Clippers I think they played them pretty close it looks like the Clippers are starting to build some distance late in the fourth quarter but again with Scotty Barnes uh, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel, quickly—they have a solid group of players, and then you add a—you know—then you, know, then you ha- still have the veteran presence of Pascal Siakam. I mean, that's the makings of a of a decent team and a good team that I think can, um, you know, can still compete. But do they want to go that route, or do they just want to fully embrace the rebuild um, and trade Siakam, get some young pieces, uh, maybe some other veterans from another team? I think that's a big question with Toronto and one that I'm not sure that we're going to get immediately, but we will soon. Um, So I've rambled on for enough right now. I'll bring some people up to talk. Uh, We got Mahir here. I'll add him quickly. Mahir, what's up, man? How's it going? Yo. What up? I feel like I was watching the Mavs last night
1: and I (laughs) I felt like Luka just like when he didn't have the ball, he was just, like, letting Kyrie go to work and standing in a corner. And then when Kyrie had, or when Maluka had the ball, Kyrie was just, like, standing in a corner and letting him go to work. And I feel like that's not, like, good team basketball. And that's, like, why their offense isn't, like, consistently good on a, like,
2: nightly basis. What are your thoughts?
0: I mean, yeah. I I think last night might have been a more extreme example of that. I I think recently, especially um, against Minnesota on, on, Sunday, like you saw a lot more synergy between the two of them. I think last night, Luca did not look right from basically the beginning of the game because of his ankle injury. Um, And so I think he was playing a little bit more passively than we're used to seeing. Um, And Kyrie really carried them for a lot of the night. I think that was his game. It was just unfortunate that no one else could really bring it. Um, But I do agree with you that I think some more synergy will obviously be the thing that takes them to the next level. But I trust that, that you know, they, they can figure it out if and when they can stay on the court consistently together. Why, why the thumbs down? Sorry, this is my first time. <laughs> that's fine. To, I meant to put it. No, no, down. no. That's fine. That's fine. Shit, <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Uh, you got anything else? nah I'm out. all right appreciate it meyer always good talking to you yeah you too yeah um all right let me add ace they've been up uh requested for a second <clears throat> ace how's it going what's good what's you hear me meaning i can hear you yeah what's up it's on your mind
2: what's good young nigga? i just kind of got a problem not a problem but like a question with When we play like teams like the Nuggets and not really the Lakers, it hasn't shown with the Lakers. But how do you think, even if this Pascal Siakam trade goes through, how do you think we'll deal with like strength creators, niggas like the Aaron Gordons, niggas like the fucking, (laughs) let me think of another one, the LeBrons of the world, or
0: niggas who just want to, A, Zions? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think that getting Siakam is kind of a step in, in the right direction. Um when it comes to uh competing against those types of guys. I mean, I think you you mentioned a few names and LeBron is a player that I think at this point the Mavericks have been able to solve. Like they I don't think they struggle against him too much necessarily. And obviously he's thirty nine years old. He's not he's still amazing, but he's still but he's not the player that he was in the past um and then zion is another guy you mentioned i mean i think siakam helps against him um i mean he's an explosive athlete like like a big player that that bullies other guys so i think having a guy like siakam helps gordon has always been a player that's given them a lot of problems um as you mentioned and i think like pasco siakam would probably be the mavericks answer to aaron gordon i mean to this point Every time the Mavs play the Nuggets, Aaron Gordon, it seems like he's going off. He's making a lot of plays that he doesn't make against other teams. So, um, And I like Aaron Gordon. He's a good player. But against the Mavericks, he looks especially, um, especially good. So I think having Siakam is really their answer to that. Because they haven't really had that, that long wing um, in Luca's tenure, the guy who can defend at a high level and score at a high level. Um, and Pascal Siakam is really that. So if they were to get him, I think it really changes the ceiling of the Mavericks, um, and allows them to contribute uh, to compete against uh, the the other top wings in the league, like you mentioned. Yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah, you got anything also, else? Also, do top? you
2: yeah. uh, like I, I forgot, but like this team these past couple of weeks, like I, I don't know, well, it feels like they haven't been shooting well from three, like. Um, it's it's been weird. It's like besides Luka and Kyrie, it seems like the rest of the role players are just not like snipers like they used to be in like previous years. Yeah. Um, that's wor like worrisome. Yeah, and no. Play, play I, THJ. It's I don't know.
0: No, I I think I think I think you're you're on to something there. I haven't looked at the, the stats but um it certainly seems like that from the eye test. I mean, obviously like Grant Williams, we've talked about him a lot, like he's just his three-point shot has fallen off uh, a cliff. Derrick Jones Jr. has also not shot the three as well as he did earlier in the season. But again, I think he does so much else that's good that you sort of can, um, you know... He, the three-pointer is not the only way he contributes, I'll put it that way. So there's still other ways for him to contribute on offense. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has also... Uh, regressed a little bit in his shot too like he's not hitting at the same rate that he was earlier in the year so i think you definitely have uh are on to something there um i do have to go back and look at the numbers to see like how what the percentage is as a team but i agree on on, on many nights kyrie irving and luka Doncic are, are the ones that are contributing the most um in terms of three-point volume all right
2: but yeah that's all i gotta say this team yeah, where do you think they are like right now? And this is my last question. Like right now if you had to put them all of
0: the teams in the West, the fourth best team, the fifth, <clears throat> sixth, seventh. I mean, it it's a little bit hard to say because they haven't been healthy um for a large stretch of the season. I think their ceiling could be in the top 4 like, you know, they could they could be the 4th seed, they could could be around then 4th or 5th seed, but um, no, I'm not
2: talking about seeding. I'm talking about like best teams, like playoff series section.
0: I mean, I I don't think that they have like the necessarily the strongest roster in the West, but they have arguably the best player in the in the West in Luca, which I think matters. Um, in any playoff series, they'll they'll probably have the best player on the court, and then Kyrie Irving obviously is is a great sidekick, a great second scorer. Um, so with those two guys, I, I think you have a chance to win any game, any series. Um, but it, it comes down to the other guys. Like, can, can you get enough from the other role players um, in addition to Luca and Kyrie? That's really what it comes down to. And to this point, like, I don't know. Like, there's been so much up and down uh, performances from them that I'm not sure. But I think having Luca and Kyrie gives you a great chance in any game. Yeah, I think they're like probably like the sixth or seventh
2: best team in the West right now. Yeah. Unless if you like, unless if you like really don't like Sacramento. Okay.
0: I mean, I think they're in that tier of Sacramento, you know, Sacramento, um, New Orleans, the Lakers, uh, the Suns. I mean, I know some of those teams have worse records than the Mavericks right now, but I think all those teams are kind of in the, in the same tier. Uh, I think the Mavericks have a chance to break out of that and show that they're capable of more. But, um, again, when you follow up beating Minnesota with losing to Memphis, it doesn't uh, inspire a ton of confidence. So we'll see. All right. Um, You got anything else? Yeah, drop
2: me down, man. All right,
0: cool, man. Well, appreciate you coming up. I'll bring uh, some more people up here. Uh, we got Jokudo. Uh, Jokudo, how's it going? Oh, it's going great.
3: What, what now, you got? Okay, so first question. Are Are you in for Pascal Siakam joining us or not? Nah?
0: I mean, yeah, I feel like that's uh, that's he's a perfect acquisition for us. I mean, as long as it doesn't cost too many... Uh, draft picks. I think that um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's my problem because
3: when we went with the Kyrie Irving trade, it kind of we gave we gave our shooting depth with um Denwitty and our defense with Dorian Finney-Smith towards them, and that kind of just screwed us over. Mm-hmm. So with the Pascal Siakam trade, if we if we do get them, hopefully we don't give up too much. Or we're just going to repeat what we did last year. And I really want to avoid that. There there are some other players who I believe could fit, could fit in our team that could help us really deeply. But unfortunately, two of them are injured at the point. So I'm not sure. But I've been hearing that some people are
0: interested in getting Laurie instead of Siakam. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't I don't think Laurie is a realistic trade option at all because I mean, it doesn't seem like Utah is open to trading him and and obviously they're playing a lot better now. Um yeah, they are, oh you know. Gosh. I mean, he's he's a younger player than than Siakam is. Uh and I think I think that with with Utah like they're still a team that that's trying to work their way back into being, you know, a playoff team. And so I think they have to see that whole rebuild through before they make a decision on whether uh, they want Lowry to be part of their future or not. But from all indications, it seems like he's happy there. It's a great fit there. Um, and they have no intention of trading him. So I wouldn't even, um, I wouldn't even like, bother with, with considering Lowry marketing if I were you. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Uh, but Siakam, I mean, Siakam is available right now um, and he fits a lot of what the Mavericks need. So, I mean, if, if if they're able to go and get him, I think it really does change their ceiling. And I agree with you on the point about, like, you want to be careful, careful about giving up too much depth um, because, you know, we saw what happened last year after the Kyrie trade. They really struggled. But at the same time, like, they were already kind of struggling before the trade, too. Yeah. That's so, true. Um, and, and this year, like the Mavericks have been lucky enough to be a better team, uh, despite the fact that their role players have been pretty inconsistent. But, um, you know, you see you see what happened last night. I mean, how many guys mm-hmm. on, on this roster are worth being married to? I think everyone outside of Luca, Kyrie and, and Derek Lively are pretty expendable. So um, if you have the right deal fall in your lap, I think you've got to take it
3: at this point if none of our role players can get to if if they can't be, become productive to a point where they can become um reliable then i think we're going to be in a tough spot before, after the trade deadline i really need grant williams to produce more because i i believe in like the like in the first week or a few weeks in the beginning of the season he was really good he was productive, but now he just took a slump. And now it's starting to get really worrying. And plus for Sean Holmes, one of our other bigs, Jason Kidd is not putting him on the court. I do not know why. It, it, treat they're him like Christian Wood from last season, and I think we're just repeating our mistakes. So hopefully we, we hopefully if we get to Pascal Siakam, we don't give up too much, and our role players need to get healthy and productive.
0: Yeah, I mean health I think is the biggest thing. Like having Luca healthy um will solve a lot of problems. I think the last couple of weeks he's been playing with you know various injuries and it's obviously kinda come to a to a head at this point. So hopefully he's able to take some time and get right. Um I think that's that's priority number one. Same thing with Derek Lively, Dante Exxon. If those guys are out for an extended period of time, then it's <laughs> difficult to properly evaluate what this team is. Um, and then, you know, they're they're obviously going to be forced to re- rely heavily on um, inconsistent role players like Grant Williams, Josh Green. And, and that that makes things even more frustrating when when they don't deliver. But, um, you know, health is number one. And hopefully that happens sooner than later. All right. Th- that's yeah. all I have
3: to say. Thank you, bro.
0: No problem, man. Appreciate you coming up. Uh, we got we got one more person here. Um, I'll just add them up. Um, Zane Hilton. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. You're you're up.
4: Um. Can you hear
0: me? Yeah, I can hear you.
4: All right. So. Um... So, in my opinion, I personally think that the Mavericks they should change their offensive system. I watched yesterday' game and I realized that mostly Luka and Kyrie are taking the shots. Understandably, they are the two biggest guys on the team when it comes to contracts and skill, but I think that's just not sustainable. And I think a player like Josh Green, he's just not going to be maximized on the court when Luke and Kyrie are there. Because if you look at it, if you look at Josh Green and his position, he's like a shooting guard. He doesn't really strive very well when Luke and Kyrie is on the court because what is he going to do? How is he going to create his shot? How is he going to get touches? I'm looking at it and I'm saying that if we are going to get Pascal Siakam, would he really fix our issues with how the Maverick system and how everything is? Especially as Jason Court as a kid and his coaching style. I'm looking into it and I'm saying that how would you maximize Pascal Siakam in the offense? Yes, Luka is a great playmaker and he's a great passer, but when it comes to Pascal Siakam creating his own shot, how many touches do you think that he will get? Because Uka is a high usage guard. And the only way that Pascal Siakam is going to get his touches is if Luca has to significantly drop his usage. And if Pascal Siakam is getting more, more usage, what happens to Kyrie's usage? So I, I would like an input on that.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. I think you made a lot of good points there. Um, I think, like, yeah, w- when you have Luka and Kyrie on the floor, the understanding is that they're going to be the ones that have the ball in their hands. They're going to take most of the shots. Um, I think with Siakam, you know, I'll, yeah, when you have a player like Siakam, I think the goal is to have... Two of the three on the floor, at all times, so that you know you always have two, two stars on the floor. Um, and in the case of Siakam, like he's a player that can play without the ball in his hands. I mean, he's not a great three point shooter, but at the same time, like he can move off ball, he can cut to the basket, um, screen for guards, and you have to respect him. I mean, he's he's a player who is capable of, of scoring the ball at a high level too. And he can create his own shots. So I think that it's all about it's all about finding the right lineup combinations. Now, obviously, when it's crunch time and Luca, Kyrie, and, and Siakam are on the floor together, you know we know that Luka and Kyrie are going to be the players that that take most of the shots. But having a player like Siakam on the floor gives you another look, another uh, player that that has the potential to create their own shot. Um, create their own offense, and I think that makes him more dangerous. And obviously, I think one of the biggest appeals with Siakam is really what he provides to them on defense. I think that's the main reason you're getting him, uh, because he's a long player. Uh, he can play three through five, um, and the Mavericks don't really have anyone six no, eight that can I, do
4: that. I understand that point, and I'm not questioning Siakam on his I'm just saying that with the offense that Dallas runs – I am like trying to see how is he going to be optimized here because it's Luca, Kyrie, mostly it is Luca because offense runs through him. So I am saying that since Luca has a lot of touches and he also has a great usage rate, how would the Mavericks maximize him as Jason Kidd as a coach? What sets are they going to run? Because from what I'm looking at it right now, it is very isolation heavy. And we know Luca's a great isolation player, but how is that going to incorporate to go into the postseason? Because they need sets. Watching the game against the Grizzlies, it's just heavy isolation, and that just can't work. Especially when you're going against teams that have great defensive coverage where they're not going to double team Luca. They're just going to play one guard or one um, long length wing on Luca. It's just going to wear him down. So I'm saying, with how the scheme and how the offense is run in Dallas, how would that really maximize Yakam. Is there any way that they can change the offense to include more actions so that they can maximize it? Because I'm looking at it. Is it really the role players that are bad or both things? The role players are bad and the system is what not helping the role players because I do understand that. Grant Williams and other role players are not contributing. But can you not blame them at the fact that you don't really get a lot of touches? So with them not getting a lot of touches and a lot of shots, they're not really going to score very well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, the Mavs offense is very isolation heavy. Um and I think they do run they do run sets every now and then, but I I agree with you. it's a lot of Luca creating one on one or Kyrie creating one on one or when one gets trapped using the other to, to release the pressure. Um I think with Siakam, I mean Siakam is a player who is also capable of ISOing, so I'm not sure if that will change a ton, but I think like his skill set allows them to run things like pin downs for him and have him post up and score near the basket um, and create more rim pressure. I think that's that's a way that he can, he can uh, you know, his fit can be optimized in this offense because, I mean, for as great as Luca has been this year, a lot of his greatness has come from how well he shot the three. Um, but he hasn't, you know, gotten to the rim at the rate that he has in the past. And maybe some of that is injuries. Maybe some of that is the fact that He just prefers to shoot the ball. But I think with Siakam, he's a player who can not only isolate but can score near the basket. And I think that's really how you optimize his fit. I don't know if that answers your question or not.
4: Yeah, I think they can work in, like, um, PNR actions. You could use Siakam as a screener to let, you know, get their run easier to the rim. I do think that they can work in tandem. But my issue is, is that... With Jason Kidd, as a coach, he's not really an offensive coach, per se. I think most of the sets could come from their assistant coach. Quote me if I'm wrong on that. But I feel like, as a coach, he's very limited. And I think that's holding back the Dallas Mavericks a bit. Because, as a coach, I just did not like the plan that he has. It's like, okay... Alright, let's see what Luke and Carrie can do. And yes, they're great players, but that's just not enough. Especially in a league where everybody's skilled and, you know, the league is talented than ever before. You know, people are gonna figure out things. So I think that they need to switch to top of it. Up a bit. And I think if Jason Kidd does not incorporate more actions, maybe they can get an offensive coordinator so they can because I've seen potential in the offense where, you know, Luca's moving off the ball and Kyrie's um, cutting to the basket, getting shot. So I see the potential of Luca creating off the ball. So I think there's some incorporation and I'm pushing this. I know I'm very long and lengthy, but I really, really need them to incorporate more off-ball actions. I really, really
0: want them to do that. No, I mean, I, I think you're not unreasonable for for wanting that. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, time will tell if Jason Kidd is, is maybe the, is the right coach to lead this team uh, for the next several years. Um, I think he, he he's he does a lot right, and I think the defense um, is something that is his strength offensively. I don't know exactly who's in charge of their offense, but um, I agree like under Jason Kidd, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of isolation play. It's a lot of just let the players figure things out themselves. And I mean, that's how Jason Kidd was as a player. Like he did not want the coach to be calling a lot of plays during games. He wanted control of the offense and he wanted the players that he was with on the floor uh, to organize themselves. So um We'll see, but um, it would it would be nice. Uh, I think to have more off ball action. I agree with you, but again, I think it requires um, requires you to have players who are also capable of of improvising, of putting the ball on the floor. Um, and I think like that's why Dante Exum has been such a good fit on this team because he could play with the ball in his hands and without the ball in his hands. And I think just having him on the floor. Um, allows you to be that much more dynamic. Without him, um, they've had to resort to playing guys like Tim Hardaway, Grant Williams, Josh Green, guys who are not necessarily um, great with the ball in their hands or great um, playmakers.
4: Yeah, agreed. Yeah,
0: players that the defense has to has to kind of respect um, as threats to to make plays, even if they don't have the ball. So I think that's really the issue the Mavs have faced. But. Um, I think time will tell whether they feel like Jason Kidd can be the one uh, or not. All
4: right. Thank you very yeah. much,
0: okay. No, I appreciate it. That was that was a great discussion. Okay. Yeah. Alright, thanks, Sonny. Um We got uh we got Perk okay. <laughs> uh on deck right here, so I'll add them. Kirk, how's it going?
3: Oh, not too bad. How you doing?
0: Doing good. What's up?
1: Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, you know, as anyone else is, I've been thinking how his offense would incorporate into the system, but it's like, at the same time, like, the backbone of the Western Conference Finals run was like a three-guard lineup. And, you know, it's like You could say that Brunson, whether or not you disagree on, like, the skill aspect, in terms of, like, usage, it's about the same as what Kyrie does, and I think it's, like, in theory, you could slot Pascal into the Dinwiddie role, only the fact that he just adds more in different ways that Dinwiddie just necessarily can't, you know, and so it's just, it's tough because it's just, like, you know, I do think that, like, more offensive plays should be run, but... You know, to your point earlier, it's just the thing with kid where it's like, okay, yeah, like if I allow my players this much freedom, then they'll unlock the secret component in themselves and not, and, you know, make my job that much easier. And we can disagree about how effective that is. I, I think there's a route for it for sure, but it's just, it's entirely personnel oriented, but it really just comes down to like who you're able to trade in the Seahawks deal. And I do think it's like, I've gotten to like a lot of disagreements with people based on like what the trade package is and stuff. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't think you really need to give up that much. You know, it's like, I it, it, disagreements with people. It's like, Oh, like you're gonna, you know, I, I would understand the Omax thing and, you know, truthfully, I wouldn't want to do it, but like, I get that one more, but it's like, you know, like even in terms of like the contract, like the players on contract that people want to trade, it's like, you know, realistically, you can get by with like doing it for like THJ, Rashawn Holmes, or whatever, because those are like soon to be expiring contracts. And it's like, you know, Toronto's not blowing up their team so that they can get star players back and then go on to win forty-five games next season and be
0: exactly where they are before. Um, sorry, repeat that last point again. I kind of zoned out. My bad. Yeah, no, no, you're good. You're good. No, same with the last
1: thing. It's like, um, I think a lot of people kind of overvalue how much things you need to put in to a Siakam deal. Like, you know, I, I think that youth and picks are going to be like the primary backbone of it. But it's like a lot of times I'll hear like, oh, well, like, you know, this team has like X player who's so much better than like what the Mavs can offer And it's like, that really doesn't matter for a team that's, like, getting ready to blow it up. Like, you know, they want their youth, they want their projects they can work on, and then they want, like, you know, assets that are soon to be expiring, like something like THJ, something like Rashawn Holmes, or like, you know, come the end of next summer, they won't be on the books anyways. Like, I think that it's just like, you know, them trying to, like, go all in and get some, like, high-profile player or something, and in terms of how the East is right now, it's like you'd only be setting yourself up to win, like, 40 games and just be what Toronto's pretty much been since Kawhi left?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think in general, like, obviously, when a team is looking to blow it up, like, yeah, young players and picks are what they prioritize. But um, I think the market, one, has gone through a bit of a reset over the last season or two um in that teams are not willing to pay those kind of insane prices anymore for players and then you look at specifically in the Siakam case like he's an expiring contract himself um that just inherently lowers Toronto's leverage in these negotiations in what they can command from another team because um you know yes they could they could say like we want three draft picks for Pascal Siakam and that was something they said about OG Ananobi for um, you know for many years but eventually they got to the point where they settled for two young players I mean and I think Barrett and Quigley are are, a good return for OG Ananobi but it just goes to show you that you know teams can just go to Toronto and say like okay we're not gonna do this deal but you're gonna lose him for nothing at the end of the season. I mean, it happened uh, with Fred Van Bleed last year. Um, it kind of happened with Kyle Lowry, although it was a sign-in trade. So, um, but again, yeah. they could have gotten more for Kyle Lowry if they traded him in the middle of the season, right? So that's really what um, what they're gonna have to weigh. Um, but at the same time, like if they, if they can, if they feel like they could win with the, the core of Scotty Barnes, uh, Emmanuel quickly RJ Barrett, and Pascal Siakam, Uh, then maybe they just don't make the trade. Uh, But I'm inclined to believe that they will trade him.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I do think it's like if they did piece that trade together and, like, you know, let's just say, like, theoretically, you somehow do the math on, like, the Josh Green, like, poison pill contract and then, you know, throw in, like, Holmes, whatever, then like I could see where that offense actually works more under kids' system because then it's like, okay, you have like a variety of people who have like skill sets that don't necessarily need play calling. Like okay, you have like Derek Jones where Derek Jones is gonna hit like semi-occasional three, but can mainly like attack closeouts and you know, like defend like decent wings. And then, you know, you have Luke and Kyrie, obviously, you have like lively like And then you have, like, Exum off the bench, who, you know, has been, like, amazing as, like, that, like, third ball handler that everyone was talking about over summer. But it's, like, I could see where, like, that full lineup is a lineup that doesn't necessarily need constant play calling. But it's, like, when you have, like, three people on the floor always where it's, like, okay, the second this three-pointer gets closed out on, we just have to reset the pick and roll from the beginning, then we just don't really have anything to work with
0: yeah and i think that this year there's been a little bit more diversity in the offense i mean like I, I agree with you like in the past the mavs offense has really just been like high pick and roll and if they don't see anything then then rescreen. Um, this year there's been a little bit more uh dribble handoff that's been incorporated into the offense uh and having guys like exum and, and jones um have allowed you to sort of do things that you haven't been able to do in the past um and so a guy like Siakam, I think, takes that to the to another level because not only can he um, can he run those actions like screening for your ball handlers, um, or even being a, a dribble handoff guy, like you can also run pin downs for him and post him up at the basket, run plays for him um, to get easy buckets yeah. at the rim. I think that that's something that they don't really have right now. I mean, they do it with Kyrie every now and then, um, and obviously, like you mentioned, Derrick mm-hmm. Jones Jr. is a player who. Can attack closeouts, but having someone who can actually, you know, get baskets at the rim, um, I think, like, that adds a lot of diversity to this offense that maybe a lot of people are overlooking. No, for sure.
1: And then um, last point is just that, like, you know, I've kind of been back and forth on whether or not I think it just would make more sense to just go for, like, one of the cheaper forwards, like, you know, like Kyle Kuzma, B.J. Washington, whatever. But I do think the nice thing with Siakam is the fact that, he also would kind of address the backup big need because it's like, you know that kid's going to run a lot of small balls and it's like, I could totally see, okay, like we run certain sets where it's like, okay, when lively sits, we'll run Pascal at like small ball five. And then you can just play five out, have him just like, you know, he may not be like an incredible shooter, but at the very least, he's going to like, you know, handle the ball and like run to the basket
0: from there and do things like that. Yeah, he, he's a player, I think, who has, like, a documented history of being able to play without the ball. So I think that's uh, that's an appeal with him. And at the same time, like, if you do give him the ball, he's a player who has also shown the ability to create his own offense. So I think that's um, that's the unique thing about Siakam. And he can defend at a high level. And, and I think, as you mentioned, like, he solved the backup – not maybe not solved the backup big problem, but he gives them another look at it because, like – let's say they aren't able to get any other centers in this trade deadline. Like at least he's someone who can play a small ball five and and, and be pretty good at it. Like Doreen Finney Smith was, um, when he was a Maverick, like a six, eight player with long arms, um, good athleticism. Like that's what you need. Um, they're trying it with Grant Williams, but he's six foot six. He's not a vertical threat. He has short arms. Um, so i think that that's really you know an added benefit of of getting a guy like siakam
1: yeah well no yeah totally with you on that like I, i think that that's really the best route like i don't know if the whole like drummond thing works i mean there's already kind of talks going around with like you know him kind of just questioning like i don't know i guess his value and feeling like you know he deserves more and it's like i think that it's a even though I think that Lively is a better player, I think that it's totally understandable that a dude like that wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable coming off the bench to play
0: behind a 19 year old. Yeah, I mean that that's that's always tough too. I think I think with Drummond though, um, he may. I mean, it's difficult to say. The Drummond has been a starter for a lot of his career, but you know he's come off the bench um, in Philadelphia in in L.A. with the Lakers, so. I think at this point like he would be okay with it i mean i know he was considering um, opting out of his contract in the summer and signing with the mavs at the time um, but i think obviously derek lively turning into a starting caliber player changed a lot for them so um we'll see but i think a player like drummond obviously could help the mavericks a lot with just how well he's a re he can rebound the ball i mean as far as defense yeah. i'm not sure if drummond is necessarily an impact player but we know that defense and rebounding are, are two of the biggest needs. And so he addresses at least the rebounding component.
1: No, 100%. And then, you know, it's just at the end of the day, it's all like a work in time. Like, I, I think it's just there gets like, there's way too much stress on this sometimes where it's just like you open Twitter after every loss and it's just like, God damn, like we're frauds. Like, we should never be here. And it's like, Okay, dude, like they missed the playoffs last year when Christian Wood was like the third best player. Like there was no reality where like you were going to get a starting big, a like high caliber wing, like and get like OG Ananobi and Andre Drummond all like off of return value for like Christian Wood and Lord. I don't even know who else was on the team last year, dude. I I don't like to think
0: about those. those Yeah, I I don't either. (laughs) Um. I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. I think Mavs Twitter is collectively traumatized by what happened last year. And so every time we lose a bad game like we did yesterday, naturally, um, you know, you think of like the worst possible scenario, which is missing the playoffs again. And so I don't necessarily blame people for um, reacting that way. But obviously, like you got to look at it a little bit more rationally after a while and understand like this team is better than last year. These bad losses well, suck, but um, I think there's a lot more going for this team than there was for that team, and, and hopefully they can, you know, right the ship soon enough.
1: No, agreed. I think what it is is, like, the context of it gets lost. So, it's like, there was, like, that post yesterday. It was, like, a community post where it's like, oh, like, you know, we started last season in 22 and 15 and missed the playoffs. And it's like, okay, but, like, we weren't on pace to miss the playoffs when we were 22 and 15. We missed the playoffs because we – blew the team up on a trade and like you know and it's not you know it's not even like it's like oh like it was bad getting Kyrie it's just you know it took a lot to get him and so it's like significantly different from being 22 and 15 now where you're still in the process of like continuing to build chemistry and having like a backbone versus like basically like what was more or less hitting the reset button with like 30 games to go in the season.
0: Yeah. And I mean, last year with the Kyrie trade, I mean, I think people either ignore it or they they choose to uh, omit the fact that, yes, the Mavericks did have the same record um, after 38 games. But it, I don't think that they were particularly showing anything to where you would believe in them being a legitimate postseason threat. Um, I think they were really like they were kind of struggling and really just like surviving off the back of Luka. You know, going for forty, fifty every every night. Um, there was that stretch in yeah. December where he was like, you know, he scored uh, like forty points every game, uh, for like a week or had multiple fifty-point games. I think so it was like, like a thirteen-game stretch of like forty-five. It, it, yeah, it was some yeah, number like that. It it was insane, and that was the only reason why they, um, you know, why they were keeping staying afloat. I mean, you know, the sixty-point game was incredible, but like. Let's not forget the reason they needed 60 points um, from Luca to beat a Knicks team that was missing Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. So um, that had that tells you everything about what last season was. So I mean, this year, yes, they've had to, you know, they've they've needed Luca to be really good, but a lot of that has come without Kyrie Irving, without Derek. Lively. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's Been out of injury yeah. and
1: and and you know, I would say too, like sorry no no you're good you're good go ahead i was gonna say i I would say too like i do think that if like we had a semi-healthy roster for most of the season i would say that i would i'd expect to see like luca's usage more at like 33 34 which is like what it was on pace for like at the beginning of the season
0: it was yeah i mean the injuries have just been the most unfortunate part about the season and, and and all things considered the mavericks have done well i mean i think the 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 Cleveland game and then last night's Memphis games are are probably two losses that you wish you could have back. But I think given the circumstances, they've they've done pretty well. I mean, the fact that they haven't, um, you know, they haven't gone on like an extended losing streak, I think um, matters a lot. But it just sucks that it doesn't seem like health is necessarily on the immediate horizon. I think it's going to be another couple of weeks before, you know, we have a chance to have some semblance of full health. I, I don't know how long Luka's going to be out with this ankle sprain. It might be a day-to-day thing, but I feel like it also might be wise to, to get him right before rushing him back and having him go in and out of the locker room, like, you know, in the middle of a game like he did against Memphis. Yeah. I mean, truth be told,
1: it's like I could cope with, like, Luka or, or even Kyrie dealing with whatever they deal with for the next upcoming weeks. My real heart attack is going to come if you start seeing like THJ or Josh Green with like a broken elbow and you're just like, okay, yeah. So like no trades for this season, I guess. Like we're just going to have to run this all the way
0: through. Yeah. I mean, I I was thinking that maybe that um, that was something that they would evaluate and they probably still are right now. Like they're probably still evaluating like how much, or how far do we think that this current version of the team could get us, or if we just added a piece around the margins, could that improve us um to a point where we feel comfortable with because like anytime you have a major you know mid season trade like that that requires you to you know to adjust it requires guys to relearn their roles. Um, And it's kind of like starting from new again. So that's something they have to weigh. Um, But at the same time, like, I think with just the the inconsistent play that they've gotten from a lot of their role players, like, I don't know if it's that difficult of a decision.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it's just, especially when you consider the fact that the role players who are the most inconsistent, whether it's their fault themselves or like not getting playing time or whatever, or like kind of the... Higher paid role players. Like, you're really getting production out of most of your cheapest players. Like, it's mainly just rookies and then DJJ and um, Exxon. So, like, I feel like it makes the decision making a little bit easier, but, you know, time will tell how that manifests itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's a month until the trade deadline. So, obviously, a lot of time uh, for things to develop. Oh, for sure. Well, that's all I got for now. I don't want to keep everybody else up. No, no worries, man. Uh, appreciate you coming up. It was great talking to you. Um, of course, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. I think I also gotta gotta drop off soon, but appreciate everyone um, for tuning in here. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a spaces or a podcast, so had a lot of thoughts that I wanted to sort of get off and appreciate those who came up and shared uh, shared theirs with me. Had some good conversations today, so so thank you all for that. Uh, We'll be back soon with another episode, so uh, just uh, stay tuned. Keep following us. Appreciate the support. Um, Go Mavs. Hopefully we can get healthy, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.